Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Dylan's Discourse. I'm Dylan Friedland, joined alongside by Colby Guy of Florida Hockey Now and Palm Beach Post, as well as JD, Jeremy from the JD Twitter account, I guess. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. How are you doing? Good. Um, I'm doing phenomenal after last night's game. Panthers tying up the series at two apiece, and there was a lot to talk about. I don't know where we want to start. Do we want to start with talking about some of those refs play? Or let's just talk about how well they played, honestly. I mean, it was finally the first game where I thought they kind of took control, uh, at least, of the series. I thought the first three games, Washington kind of controlled the pace a little bit more. But it felt like yesterday was the first game where the ice kind of opened up a little bit and the Panthers finally started to play more of their speed and more of their game. Yeah, they weren't gripping the sticks too tight like they were the last three games of the series. They really dictated the pace, had the puck on their stick. And uh, as Andrew Burnett told us yesterday, when the puck's on their stick, they play pretty good defense. It was they kind of dictate the uh, pace of play. And that's really what they did. They didn't give the Capitals too much other than those two breakaways after the um, power plays were over there. But um, that Huberto made that one big play defensively. After being out there for two minutes, I think that really kind of got the guys going, seeing Huberto bust his butt there to make the play back there, but also that big save by Bobrovsky on that other shorthanded breakaway. But other than those two chances there, they didn't give Washington a whole lot, and it really paid off, and it really swung the momentum in their favor. Even when things didn't go their way, they had the confidence to kind of bounce back there with the uh, goalie pulled. And to get to those pucks, get to those loose pucks, and put them in just like um, Sam Reinhardt did with that balancing puck. He was able to corral that, shoot it, get game-tying goal. But that was kind of the theme of the game there. Pulling the goalie with over three minutes left was not something I expected from Andrew Brunette. I mean, especially in game one where he waited for like a minute and a half left, I was expecting. I was not sure when he went three minutes, but we got lucky when one of those empty net uh, shots at the post as well. I did not expect it to work out for us either. It was it, it was crazy. And then uh, talking about some of those defensive plays and those saves you were making by Bob, can we also talk about Ben Sherratt? He kind of – I did not think he looked great those first three games of the series either, but last night he made one amazing play basically in the crease where I don't remember who it was, but they went behind Bob and then tried to tuck it inside the near post. But uh, Sherratt made the play in the crease to basically keep it out. He had probably his best game of the uh, series paired up with Ekblad. What do you guys think of some of those pairings at least? matching Uyghur with Forsling and Ekblad with Sherratt. I think Sherratt played really well with Ekblad last night. That was by far his best game of the series, in my opinion. Um, the whole team played overall very well. I think Uyghur also had a very nice bounce-back game um, after how – not necessarily uh, – yeah, poor he's been this series. So that was really good to see. And uh, honestly, they should probably stick with those lines – considering how well they were playing together, even though Ekblad and Uyghur have a better history together. After how the first three games went, I would probably expect to see them stick with that, considering just after they switched them up, they they controlled the pace really well right afterwards. I think that was... I think both had their best seri- the best game of the series. Yeah, I think uh, Uyghur really does his best work on that right side. I mean, even when we've seen him with Ekblad... I think he has had his moments where he um, kind of makes some bad mistakes sometimes, and it looks like he's a little bit more comfortable on that right side as we've 
kind of got to see before Ekblad came back when he was with um, when he was with Sherratt for a lot of it, but also his, his he has a really good connection with Gus Forsling, who's a guy who's able to move the puck, a guy that you can trust to be the guy to get to um, get the puck into the neutral zone, out to the offensive zone, and a good transition guy. And I mean, when it was paired with Ekblad, he was a guy who had the puck on his stick in a lot of those situations. But you give that role to Forsling on that pairing, and he's a guy who can really move the puck and do all those things. And Sherratt also, uh, he's a really smooth skater, and he can carry the puck. He doesn't really make too many of those mistakes where he makes a boneheaded pass and it goes the other way. So I think it really works out where you have these guys with guys who kind of fit their play styles and a guy that lets them kind of play off the puck a little bit and a guy that can move it for them. And Forsling especially is probably one of the better puck movers in the game. So having him on your pairing is not a bad thing at all. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you look back at some of the mistakes that Uyghur has made in the series that he's gotten criticized for a lot. Of course, the Ovechkin turnover that leads to the Kuznetsov breakaway in game one. A lot of that times it's because, I mean, being paired with Ekblad, he was kind of more responsible for bringing it up the ice himself. But now he can really trust Forsling to be the one to do that. And it's kind of made all the difference in the world. At least it did last night. He looked 10 times better than he did the first three games. So, I mean, do you think, I mean, I assume they're going to keep those pairings and the lines the same way for game five. Would you agree? Yeah. They're not going to change those yeah. after, after winning last game. It was the best, it was their best game of the series. So unless I need to switch someone out, if they're, if like Bennett's dinged up or whatever, which I think he's fine. I think they're going to stick with the same lines and pairings next game. So the only thing about the lines that maybe caught my eye was maybe the first and the third line where we saw that those lines really haven't been together all season long. I don't think any of the lines had really played together the entire time. I thought the second line really looked great. How do you think a third line with Lundell and Reinhardt, of course, we know they look great together, but being matched up with Duclair, who's more of that speedster, what did you think about Duclair? And I know he hasn't gotten a whole lot of playing time, at least throughout the series. I think he had under 10 minutes of time on ice yesterday. What did you think about kind of how that worked out? Yeah, obviously, like, the, the game was on special teams so many times. Like, it was on special teams for a good 20 minutes. So you didn't get to see a whole lot of these guys. But I've seen, I saw, kind of saw a little bit of sparks where it could work. And Lundell's a guy that can play good defensively and make plays. Reinhardt, you know what he can do. He's very good on all sides of the puck, and he's good at winning those battles away from the puck. But if Duclair plays up to his game where he's he's playing with speed, he can let that shot loose, I think that line really could work. But obviously you didn't get to see it that much because the, the whole game was pretty much predicated on special teams for a good chunk. And the rest of it, you had your, yeah, they, they played their top guys. So you didn't, you didn't necessarily see that line too much. And they were shuffling a little bit because they're guys who were on special teams like Sam Reinhart or like Anton Lundell and the penalty kill were getting t- kind of tired. So sometimes you see these secondary guys kind of shuffling in with different players and you'd see different looks. So you didn't necessarily see the whole lineup for, together in that sense for the whole game so I, I think you need to give him another game see what happens game five on if that line works together or not but I mean obviously they played a really good game five on five so I wouldn't necessarily be scared about it yeah I'd agree and I mean while we're on this topic of special teams and how it kind of dictated last night's game the Panthers are what currently over 13 I believe on the power play throughout these first four games and they came into this series the sixth best team on the power play. 
Washington was kind of middle of the pack penalty kill wise, 12th in the league, I believe it was uh, during the regular season. But the power play just hasn't been able to break through. However, yesterday, at least I felt like they had their best chances all series long. They still didn't score, but I thought there was a lot better puck movement. They were able to basically control it more in the offensive zone. They weren't really stuck in the neutral zone, failing to break in. I thought they had some good opportunities. They had a few rebound chances as well, which we hadn't really seen much. Do you think they're going to break through? I mean, they have to keep breaking through. They have to break through eventually, right? This isn't going to stay 1-0 for 13, is it? I yeah, think they, they are. They, yeah, they're, I'll let you go first, Shady. Uh, yeah, they're getting those chances now. And uh, I think last night's game, they are they were getting a lot of their – they weren't hitting the net at first. And then they were – there was a lot of – but it looked a lot better yesterday. It looked significantly better. Even though they couldn't get anything – in it was just it was looking a lot better and it was like I think that I think the five four power play was working very well after they switched to Ekblad it was working very well it was just everything was doing really good last night on the power play in my opinion yeah it really seems like they've gotten their confidence back and they've been moving the puck well I think it's just about getting those accurate shots on that and being able to kind of get the rebound they want getting to those pucks and eventually putting one in I mean they had a lot of good looks but I mean, on a few of those good looks, Samsonov was following up the rebound. Another few, um, you had um, um, a couple shots missed the net there. So it's just about getting accurate shots on that, making sure the rebound bounces out, or maybe even beating Samsonov, which, I mean, has to happen at some point. He's having, he's got, he's taken some lightning out of a bottle since he's made his first appearance in the series, and I mean, it's bound to break if you get a good enough good shots on him because. I mean, with a team that as ma- as much talent as they have, they have the talent to break through. It's just a matter of when they're able to get those accurate shots on net and when they're able to beat them. But you need to get those low shots where they're able to bounce off the pad and get a good rebound. But he's been he's been able to suck those rebounds in, too. Well, you made two good points there. One with the shots. I mean, and we saw Anthony Duclair taking quite a few shots over there on the side. He missed the net just way too many times. If he's going to stay in that spot on that power play, he needs to be able to at minimum hit the net. When you're missing wide like that, you're not getting any rebound opportunities. It's just clearing the zone and you're killing time by that. I think he needs to, if he's not going to be scoring on some of those one-timers, at least shoot into Samsonov, get a big juicy rebound, and hope someone like Sam Reinhart can just stuff it in right in front of the net. I don't, how much more, I, I don't know how much more leeway he's going to get on that power play. I mean, when you see, when they bring Ekblad in to keep it four forwards, Duclair's normally the guy that's coming out of there. So if they're going to keep it that 5-4 power play, I wonder, is there another guy on the team that you could see maybe taking shots like that? I don't know. Could Mason Marchment possibly be that guy that slots in on power play one? Could it be Carter Verhage that comes in? Do you Or do you think Anthony Duclair should stay there and get some more opportunities? I mean, there are multiple guys you can go with. I mean, Verhage is a guy that I don't understand why he doesn't get as much power play time as he does because when he's shooting with confidence, it goes in. He's really hard on those pucks, and he's a guy that can give you a, a few different looks with the way he plays. He's very fast. He's hard on pucks. And when he's shooting with confidence, that shot is lethal. So I think Verhage is a guy who, in my opinion, should be getting a look, but also... I mean, if you want a guy that can get to those pucks in front and can give you more of those high-danger chances in front off of those rebounds, then I would go Patrick Hornquist. He's been one of their better guys in that area. He's been winning those puck battles. and I mean, through the first three games of the series, the Panthers only had four high-danger chances on the power play, 
Three of them came from Patrick Hornquist out front winning those puck battles. So I think that's a guy you also want to look at and see if you want to kind of funnel your first unit and have him be that anchor guy in front of the net, getting you those chances. I think that's an, another look you can really go through. There's a lot of talent on this team, and if something's not working, there's a multitude of ways you can kind of try to do it if you really want to get a different look out there. I would agree completely with him. Um, Verhage, I think we saw – we saw. Um, I don't know how many times I know we saw him once last year in the round one against Tampa on the power play, and when we did see him on the power play, we did score – I mean, I think he is definitely someone we should have been give, already seen, given a chance in the power play. We already saw him a couple times in the power play, but I don't think he gets enough opportunities on there, and I don't think we've seen him at all this, uh, this at, at all recently on the power play. And uh, We've already seen him have a snipe in game number two. I mean, when he's shooting, like he said, when he's shooting with confidence, it's going to go in. In and, overtime, I mean, scoring in overtime was a nice shot as well. So, yeah. I mean, he's... I don't understand uh, him not getting any power play time. And like you said, also Hornquist has also had the, uh, he was already on there a lot in the uh, beginning of the regular season uh, on that power play one. And also I could see them maybe taking a script out of the uh, Capitals books and just like Carlson taking shots from the point, getting Oshie's redirections, you know, getting those rebounds off. You know, we saw a rebound yesterday when Verhage got a snipe and also Reinhardt's this high of the game in front of the net. You know, we could, I could definitely see them uh, going to Verhage, in my opinion. I think that would be their best call, though. Same with uh, Hornquist, though, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I think they do try – they definitely try and be pretty with it. They try and set up, like, almost a perfect goal. It reminds me a lot of just previous years where it was always funnel over to Hoffman for the shot, and it's always we can only score off a one-timer, whereas you're seeing with the Capitals, they're scoring basically off of rebounds and great passing like that instead of just going for the one-timer where I don't know if we've necessarily seen a whole bunch of that, uh, at least the series. My one thing with the whole Hornquist thing is, it would almost seem to me like Patrick Hornquist and Sam Reinhart both together on the power play would almost be overkill, because they kind of play similar roles on the power play, in my opinion, where they're both those net front presence guys standing from a net. Do you think that if you bring in Hornquist on the power play, you maybe move Reinhardt over to a different spot on the power play, or what would happen in that regard? Or just Reinhardt get taken out of power play one completely? I mean, you got Barkov, Ekblad, um, or Huberto, and Giroux on that power play with those two. So you got Barkov. I think it would look like Barkov, Giroux, and Ekblad with, with Hornquist and Reinhardt. And Reinhardt can play a different style of game if he needs to. So he can be that kind of versatile guy that can hang out in front of the net, but also participate in moving the puck, getting some shots in from other areas, while Hornquist can be that anchor guy. So I think that really works out to where you have enough skill there to be able to have these two guys who can really crash the net and get those opportunities. If you're running that five forward power play, have Giroux out there. It's a guy who can move the puck. Barkov, Hubert, you know what they can do. So I think that really could work, and it could function to where – I mean, you get a, a shot from Reinhardt and down low, the rebound comes out yet again. Hornquist is on the other side there to tap it in. I think that's something that could really work. Yeah, I, and there's lots of different options, and I wonder just how long Brunette's going to stick with, you know, whether it's four guys, whether it's five guys, or just if they'll change up the personnel completely. But I guess that's something we'll just have to see game five when, I mean, we really just see if they finally can break through or not. But if they get chances, I have to imagine 0 for 13 is not going to kind of stay the same way. But there could have been a lot more than 13 
chances on the power play. And I don't want to, you know, dwell on the referees for that much longer, but I think it's kind of impossible to ignore the role that they have played. And I know Colby, you tweeted, like, you don't like talking about the referees much. You'd like to stay kind of neutral, but it's hard to overlook what was done kind of in this series and the amount of goals that have come with the amount of power plays that haven't come as a result of some really poor referees. You look back game one, of course, the weaker turnover that is caused by a bad, a missed icing call. You look last night to game four with a dirty hit, in my opinion, TJ Oshie on Sam Bennett that Oshie should have gotten suspended for. He's not even going to get a hearing for that then goes the other way. And Kuznetsov scores on the breakaway once again. There's been so many different plays like this throughout this series where the Panthers have kind of just gotten screwed over by the referees and just nothing has happened. I mean, we're so used to this as Panthers fans with Trotos trips and, you know, every single time we're in the playoffs or anytime there's a big game, we always, we complain about the refs, but I feel like this time we have really good reason to, I mean, it's been ridiculous, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a call um, that was a holding the stick call on Uyghur in game three, actually, that really kind of stood out where it looked where like Uyghur got, got like, tripped and the, stuck, the, the stick kind of got caught in Uyghur's skate as he was going down, and that's what kind of drew the holding the stick. He kind of just saw the stick out of the guy's hand, but it was Uyghur on the ground because of the stick, and that swung into a power play goal for the Capitals. So that was something that really changed the pace of game three as well. But, of course, that hit on Bennett where... You see TJ Oshie kind of charging in, leaving his feet, but that's kind of a euphemism. I mean, he's leaving his feet like it's someone reaching for the cookie jar on top of a refrigerator. So his vertical's not exactly high, but he's contorting his body in an upward direction, trying to go for the head there. And, I mean, they have the argument that the stick kind of went up there and touched um, Bennett in the head that drew the blood there. But, I mean, the head's still the point of contact there. And also, if you look at if you look closely enough in the clip, if you there's a few angles that show Oshie moving the puck behind him already, so he he knows the puck isn't on Bennett's stick, and he's still going for him anyways. When he does have enough time to either soften the blow or kind of even go to a different direction already, if he's if he's already feeling the puck on his stick as he's going over there, he has, he has enough time to change his direction a little bit where he's going more for the body so i think that there there is a lot wrong with the hit but i mean we're going off of like slow-mo and nitpicky things and i mean the 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 best you can say is at least it didn't completely dictate the outcome of the game because the panthers ended up tying it up bennett got the overtime the assist on the overtime winner so bennett's okay the panthers won series tied and the best you can do is kind of try to get your revenge on the scoreboard because if you're going to go out and retaliate retaliate against TJ Oshie the referees are going to be watching for that and they're going to be they're going to be quicker to blow the whistle on that so especially now after this has happened they're going to be watching for it even closer yeah exactly that's my point there so you, you got to make them pay on the score sheet you can't do you can't kind of try to target Oshie another thing i wanted to mention is we have gotten a lot of calls against us, and I have no problem with most of them. I mean, the Uyghur one, like you said from last time, is an obvious one. Like, okay, well, that's very questionable because it wasn't his fault because the stick was in a skate, not his fault. But 
also I think what makes it so bad is like there's a lot of times the caps are getting a, the caps are just getting away with a lot of things. There was a few times where you know Barkov was getting hammered into the boards and they're just not they're not getting those calls on on the other end. You know you have you know just the Uyghurs happen like trips and they're not they're getting called but they're just not getting our way. But uh, it also you can't totally complain on them guys. We are doing it to ourselves a few times. There are like definitely a few like you know like the uh, the first penalty we took yesterday where you know you can't do that or the the game three Huberto one that you can't do that. And I think there are a few times where where we are doing it to ourselves, but also there's also just way too many missed calls that are that are just not going our way. We definitely have taken like a few stupid penalties. I mean, Sharat that delay a game twelve seconds into I think the second period yesterday. I mean, that's just you can't do that. But I think the penalty kill it improved yesterday. I mean, they got some fluke goals. Uh, at least just randomly, who was it? It was Oshi that scored it, right? That took the crazy yeah. bounce off of him. Yeah, it bounced off Oshi's shin pad and in off that Carlson shot. I'm not going to complain much about a fluke goal like that. I mean, I think the penalty kill the rest of the game was probably the best it's looked in a long time. I mean, even going back to the regular season, I haven't seen the penalty kill as really good as it looked yesterday. So I was fine with that. They were able to overcome some of the bad officiating, but hopefully, I mean, it changes. I mean, it wasn't even Dan O'Rourke or TJ Luxmore yesterday, and it was maybe the worst draft game of the series. If we get Luxmore or O'Rourke again, or even Chris Lee, I mean, I'm kind of scared to see what happens in those games, especially now that they're even more must-win games as we head into game five. The other thing I want to kind of talk about is kind of like goaltending. It was coming into the series, it was goaltending was going to be a big question because Washington's goalies were kind of subpar. I mean, Samsonov is, was rocking a sub 900 uh, save percentage coming into the playoffs. And all of a sudden he's looked great through these two and one third games that he's played. What have you guys thought about that? Do you think it's sustainable for Samsonov or is that going to kind of change the Panthers going to start getting some more shooting luck here? I think the more high quality shots you get on them, the more you start playing with confidence and just unloading that shot. Like you saw with Verhage. When he when he's confident, that release is very strong and it's gonna beat him. When you get more guys playing with that kind of confidence and mojo and getting those chances, getting those second hand ch- second chance opportunities there, I think it really would kind of dictate the game a little bit more and um kinda cause uh those numbers to go down for Sam Selenov. But of course to each their own. He's he's playing a really good series, and he's kind of eliminating those rebounds himself, kind of sucking them in and making the saves in the right areas where he's able to suck the rebound in at some time. So I think he's really stepped up, and he's playing with his own confidence there. He has the D.C. crowd behind him, and uh, he said he almost cried when he, when he heard those Sammy chants for the first time, and I think the more he plays well and the more the crowd gets behind him, he's obviously going to have that confidence to keep making those big saves, and that's something you got to play against, but bringing the series back home, I think you really have an opportunity to swing it your way, and you have to see what happens. But uh, Sergei Bobrovsky has played a very good series as well. He's been a huge reason why the Panthers are still in this, being a, a, a bunch of big, big saves, but especially yesterday, I think in the big chances he he had against him, Bobrovsky really kept the Panthers in this game and made a bunch of those big saves on those breakaway opportunities. He shut down a lot of big um, shooting opportunities. So he um, he made a couple big saves on Ovechkin on their first power play where they kind of left him alone a little bit, and Bobrovsky was able to pick up those slap shots. 
So I think Bobrovsky's really the big X factor here, keeping the Panthers in it, because even though they're facing some really good goaltending and they've been getting goalied a lot of these games in the series, you have your own guy there giving you his best and keeping you in it as well. Yeah, and I mean, only the Panthers' defense as a whole yesterday only gave up, what, 16 shots on goal, I think, and probably a good amount of those came on some of those power plays as well. So Bob was really great. I mean, the one save that's not being talked about really at all is that Marcus Johansson breakaway with like three minutes left in the game, which, I mean, I think he was just coming on, took a quick shot, and Bob with a great pad save to just keep it a one-goal game. And then the Panthers go back the other way and tie it up with once he gets pulled. I mean, that save basically not getting talked about at all because the goal kind of took everyone's attention away from it. But just he has been great outside of game three, I think. And I saw some people saying he could have been a little bit better in game one. But, I mean, if he's giving you only two or three goals, giving up a game, this should be a series that the Panthers win. The Panthers offense should be scoring three, four goals a game at least. So if he is holding Washington to two or three goals, the Panthers really shouldn't be having trouble winning. And that's basically exactly what he's done throughout the series minus game three. And I wouldn't even pin game three on him as much either because the Panthers did not play a good game in front of him. He came up with the big saves when he needed to. But they kind of got overwhelmed there with some of these high-quality chances they were given the, the Capitals. And the Capitals had some really good chances on the power play as well. That gave them some goals. So I wouldn't necessarily pin that one on Bobrovsky either. By the time it was that last goal that was on the breakaway, the game was already over, and I wouldn't necessarily pin that last goal on him at all either. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't. i not going to be as nitpicky on Bobrovsky's Game 3 performance as other people are. I agree with that one. I feel like there's also that OB goal, was just, he was left wide open too, even though it was on a penalty kill, and the OSU one, the deflection, one that you can't really blame him for because it's just – it's a very good deflection, and Ovi's hard to stop with um, when he's got what a wide open one timer. It just you know it's on a penalty kill. I don't really blame him for game three. I mean, yeah, he could have played a little bit better, but honestly, I don't really see an issue with him. He saved us, and he not saved us in game two because game two or we we were scoring. It was fine. Game one uh, could have been a lot different of a story, even though we did we did still lose. He gave us a chance and. You can't really blame him for any of the goals that we really, you know, he really gave up, in my opinion. I think he has played really well so far this series. And even though he didn't face too many shots yesterday, like you guys said, he still, uh, you know, he was stopping all of their high danger chances twice when they had, you know, a little not, you know, when they just came right in front of the net. And he did very well. And uh, I think both goalies, because Sam Sonoff has also played out of his mind right now, I think both goalies have uh, can uh, can keep it up, especially with the crowds behind them. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, I'm not going to blame Game 3 on Bob either. I mean, if the offense is scoring one goal in a game, it's, the blame goes to the offense, in my opinion, especially when this team is based on scoring high goal amounts of goals. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been shocking, though, the Samsonov stuff because it was not what I was expecting at all. I was expecting, like, we'd get a few softies. And the only softie – well, I guess Vanacek gave up a few softies in his uh, game, too. But the only softie Bob has really given up, in my opinion, is that one weird angle goal that Backstrom scored in game two. But even then, it didn't make a difference in that game. So we're able to – we were able to keep it up, I think. Hopefully, Bob is able to keep it up, and we'll see if Samsonov does. Uh, do you imagine – I mean, if Bob keeps giving up, let's say Bob gives up three goals and the Panthers lose three to two. 
he gets game six as well, right? I mean, there's no way you go tonight in this situation unless he has an absolutely terrible game, right? Yeah, unless Bobrovsky gives up eight goals and he gets slightly injured or something of that sort, you stick with Bobrovsky. He's been your guy. He's been the reason why the team's in it most of the time. So I don't think even if he has a stinker, I think you still put him in there, see what he can give you. Is he, He's been your guy, and he's earned that right. We Knight has a uh, small sample size as well, and even though he, you know, he he looked a little suspect sometimes throughout the season too. And when Bob's been your guy throughout the whole season, there's just no point not to turn to him, in my opinion. I let's see. I mean, Bruno. I'm sure Bob is staying the guy, and hopefully, we get maybe a show somehow had a shot in all of his playoff experience, which. That was a crazy stop when I first saw that. Anyways, game five coming up tomorrow night. What is it? 7.30 p.m. start. No time announced for game six. Colby, you'll be there for game six. How excited are you for that chicken sandwich? Oh, yeah, that chicken sandwich. I, I saw some of Washington's reporters try it. And uh, a little bit of um, chicken sandwich analysis here. The bun looks really good. I'm excited. I like cinnamon rolls. And I'm excited for that part. But what really concerned me was the color of the chicken tender <laughs> on that sandwich there. It looked a little bit too dark of a brown to really look like it's good chicken tender. So unless they have like some like special like cinnamon roll sauce on that chicken tender, well, that it is a spicy. Texture. It is a spicy chicken sandwich. So. Oh, they did say it was a spicy chicken sandwich. Yes, it makes me even more concerned. <laughs> is this isn't a spicy sauce supposed to make it lighter. It's going to so, be just flavor exploding in your mouth, I feel like. Yeah, it would be a, a big flavor explosion. But, I mean, my my first impression based on these pictures is that the color kind of looks concerning. I, I, I'm disappointed I'm not going to get to try that out. I want to try and make it there for Friday for game six. I don't think it's going to work out because I, I really want to try that. But, oh, it looks good. Jeremy, you got any opinions on that chicken sandwich? I just want to know if it's going to be there next season because I need to I need to figure out a way to get to Washington to go ahead and I need the sandwich. It, I love both combinations. I'm not even. Uh, I, I, I might go. I might go fly if it is next year. I might go just try and check it out for a game or something. That's why. I don't even know if it's going to be good. It just seems like an experience to try it. That's yeah, nice. that's that's my thing too. I just want the experience. Which I think I'm going to die of a heart attack if I try that thing. <laughs> But I'm going to try it, and I will post a video on Twitter just to just show you guys what it tastes like. I know Washington's reporters did it, but you guys need some uh, different perspectives on it, of course, to get your best um, your your best analysis of this chicken sandwich. So I got to try it, too, and I got to tell you how it is. Well, I mean, I— Hopefully you can I, I tell us how it is in one of your gamers as well as you write about a Panthers game winner that moves us on to Series 2. Yeah, we'd love to see, but I don't I don't know if it's gonna be better than the bagel sandwich that the Islanders got. I got the privilege of trying that when I was in New York. And uh it was quite the sandwich. They had um it was like a buffalo chicken sandwich, but they had um they had cream cheese on it on a bagel. Okay. It was so good. I feel like that's an it, interesting it, it's combination. Not or anything. Yeah. Cream cheese on a chicken sandwich. That's I haven't heard of that one before. But. A buffalo chicken sandwich. It had some buffalo sauce with this cream cheese, but the consistency of it was really good. 
and it overdo itself. It kind of fit pretty well, and the consistency of that sandwich was so good. So, shout out to Shaquille O'Neal for making that sandwich. We need we need the Panthers to come up with something new. I don't know what type of chicken sandwich they could come up with down here, but we don't even have any chicken sandwiches. They just have the normal chicken tenders, I guess, uh, at FLA Live. But I like the food over at the uh, at the Sanum. However, they really need to they need something to go ahead and like. They need something that's like that screams their own. They it, it, it would be really nice something that I mean that gets everyone's attention like that because I'm sure both Panthers Capitals and just random people saw that uh, tweet about the sandwich and were like I kind of want to try this. Then. I, I wonder if Kodak tried that sandwich. <laughs> Kodak's been there. That's it. Like, what is this with Kodak being the new biggest Panthers fan in the world? I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. This is, this is, it's good for the team because these the, and Kodak's like actually posting it on social media and actually like being active for the team. So you get all these people in South Florida who don't know what hockey is, but you see Kodak Black enjoying it. And you're like, oh shit, that might be cool. And then him, I love the photo of him just posing with like the concession workers. I thought that one was hilarious. I just I love that. Yeah, no, him no, and no, Victor E. Rat was my yeah. favorite one. No more, uh, no more no fans jokes now that we have Kodak on board and we're selling out playoff games as well. Feels good. Feels good to say no more fan jokes. Yeah, uh, you at least have one with Kodak Black. Exactly. Well, any final words before we sign off for this one or anything? Uh, Colby, why don't you let people know where they can find you? Yeah, so uh, you guys can just follow me on Twitter at ColbyDGuy and... Uh, Get your latest Panthers news and updates and occasional bad jokes. Maybe maybe you'll see a little bit more occasional. It's, it's more than occasional commentary. Once I'm in DC, I'll I'll see what I can do while I'm there. But I'm sure I'll have a good time, and I'm sure I will share some stuff from there with you guys on Twitter. But also just catch my writing out at FloridaHockeyNow.com and at the Palm Beach Post. So good stuff. Jeremy, you want to plug your Twitter? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm not really active too much anymore besides my private. All right. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you game five for the Panthers. Have a good one, everyone. Peace out. Peace.